Yeah, got to get it all fresh because it's all gold, let's be honest. That's true. Welcome back to the show, Chaz. And we have a special guest today. Welcome. Thank you. Chaz, I think you would be the appropriate person to give the introduction. We have the person, the very person responsible for the reclaimed wood coffee table jump. My wife, (laughs) Cersei Rose Wallace, in studio today at the beautiful album Surfboards. Cersei, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We've met in passing, but I've never really spent time getting to know you. Yeah, we've never had like a real proper belly up to the bar or the reclaimed coffee table. This one this one is equally reclaimed, but I'm so happy. I think I've mentioned it before on the show that they didn't have this coffee table for the Ash and Goggins performance Definitely. because <laughs> I would have caught my toe on this thing for sure. It's for sure. just that... Perfect height to catch your toe trying to jump over it. What's worse, catching a toe or catching a shin? Uh, catching a toe because then you're going to fall down on your face. Shin just hurts. Catching a toe, you're going all the way down. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, I've bellied up to your home bar. You Been have. in your home. Yeah, our zinc. Share to drink, the zinc yeah, bar. That's zinc, right. Yep. So it's high time. It's high time. I'm going to pepper you with questions like what it's like to be married to jazz. It's really <laughs> with the focus of most of the conversation today. Uh, okay. Um, so I'm that's happy fir- to delve in. Dive in. What is the, what is it like being married to jazz? Is it fraught with Pretty peril? fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. More fun than peril. I mean, being married to a provocateur, uh, comes with a lot of laughs. Mm. But can you, is it a land, is it a field of landmines among the Not laughs? Not really. No. Okay, I mean, I mean, really, we rarely fight. But do you have to avoid, uh, do you have to damage control? No. Oh, really? No, he makes his own beds. Okay. That's true. <laughs> I make my own beds and then I lie in them. That's true. Yeah. I, I, and I, by the way, as a co-host, never defend you. Yeah. Because no. I get flack from sure. listeners all the time, I'm you know? I'm sure, yeah. And uh, I'm like, send the email to Chaz. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Send it to Chaz. Right. You know, it's not right. my position to defend. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I think, you know, interestingly enough, part of Charlie's art form is uh, stimulating conversation. And a lot of times he'll take a position purely for the sake of, of having a conversation. So I, I wouldn't always take his, um, language or opinions at face value. So, sometimes so, though, I he's get, a pretty good husband. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes though, I get, I get overwrought during dinner parties and oh, just scream okay. at guests and stomp out in the street and things like that. And That's she doesn't like that provo- I don't, <laughs> provocation. I don't, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. And I also don't like it when he like every time we're at a dinner party, he tries to like make a TV show. Yeah. He I'm always making TV always, shows. What is the TV show? I'm not what, it's always Whatever. Just, it's always a different TV show. Okay, I'm always, okay. I'm always you're out. trying to make a scene. Exactly, would, I'm always out and about crafting yeah, TV like, shows. Yeah, like you should do this, and then gotcha. he has goes on these tangents, and that's usually only when he's been drinking. Uh, so oh. all the time, basically, <laughs> quite often. <laughs> so Socially thing, often. The thing that you said about um, sometimes he's just taking a stance to stimulate a conversation. I fully get. And I feel like previous generations certainly could appreciate that yeah. or the person who plays that role. Right. I'm not sure our modern um, climate, cultural climate is okay with that so much, or maybe there are certain people that are, but then the most outspoken don't get that part of it at all. And so 
they just hear the provocation and they're triggered by it. And then there's a lot of backlash about it. And so while I said I don't defend you in email, some things I do say sometimes are exactly that, which is like, hey, there's tremendous value in having criticism. In any, in there's criticism in the food industry, in the film industry, in politics, and so in surfing, we really haven't had that lots of times because everybody's kind of fed by the same couple of brands, yeah. and so they're not. It's there's like no an ins- echo chamber. Totally. Yeah. And so it's awesome to have. There's tremendous value again in having a critic who can kind of call, hold a power to account ultimately, and stimulate conversation. And sometimes it's wrong, but it still stimulates conversation that actually has value, you know? Yeah, I so. think I, I think that's really important. I think it's a fundamental problem that we have in our kind of cancel, cancel culture environment right now is there isn't a real opportunity for discourse and, and conversation. Correct. And I think that, um, you know, I'm as liberal as it gets, but I really, you know, the, the idea of tamping down um, argument and whether that's, you know, it could be about really anything, but to to not allow to at least have debate, I think is a slippery slope. You you can go get Cersei right here. Uh, You Uh can, you can, we can get our, yeah, yeah. We can get our entire show canceled right now. (laughs) We we keep waiting. We keep waiting to get canceled. But if you ask Miss liberal Cersei Wallace, about transgendered athletes and this whole Ooh. thing. Hot button, David Lee. How about Ooh. it? You're, you're, well, I don't know that I'm qualified to even <laughs> engage in the debate, okay. but you're pro transgender athlete. Uh, um, I presume that's what you're saying. I'm no. not. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Um, hot button, David Lee. I mean, I guess. I don't know why I, I thought that, it was that, you were going to take the other side. Because she's liberal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's too sweeping of a statement, I, I think. But I, I am. And I have a lot to learn here, and I'm in the process of education, so I want to be very careful about my position here because it's fluid. I don't have, uh, this isn't a black and white issue. I think it is uh, an evolving issue, and I am finding myself diverging from my typical liberal leaning when you have... uh, a movement towards self-identifying gender in uh, competition sports where you have male-born transgender female athletes competing against female-born athletes. And I'm probably not even using the right vernacular. But it's accurate. I get what you're saying. But I think, you know, for me as a woman and as a, you know, historically feminist women, which is a whole nother issue, uh, being a feminist now is, um, can be viewed as, as a, I don't know, white privilege. Um, and I really just, I'm concerned about all of the work that we've done as women to have equality and, and pay parity and, you know, opportunity um, being compromised by some ill-meaning, uh, self-identifying females and what the effects of that uh, really ultimately are on the playing field, I think, are, are TBD. Um, 
traditionally, I definitely lean towards transgender rights and, and want anyone who identifies as something that maybe wasn't assigned at birth to have the freedom to live the life that they want to live fully, openly, and safely. Um, but I am concerned about the greater implications of the effect on the progress that we've made, um, the physiological differences, right, where um, there are inherent advantages. I had, a, I had a conversation with a notable surf personality who encouraged me to get some low-level QS guy to self-identify because anymore, mm-hmm. I mean, what was the bill Biden signed into office or whatever? What's the new thing? There was oh, it's an executive order. Yeah. And, that, and that is I think it, it, it's well-meaning. Sure. But what does the executive order say? Uh, it, it basically allows, uh, it, it uh, assures tra- self-identifying transgender um, protections. Yeah. Okay. So, so we take a low-level QS bro, right? Have him say, I'm a woman, doesn't have to do anything, of course, because it's all about self-identification. Hops onto the woman's tour and off he goes. World title. Well, I champion. think there's there's real challenges here because how do you determine, right? Like there has there, to be some qualification categorization. Right, yeah. right. And there has been a lot of there's dialogue around that, like, you know, levels of testosterone. Um, you know, there there is some disconcerting conversation around you actually having to show your genitals, which is totally over the line. Um, I think we're trying to protect um, transgender and women. You know, I'm, I'm certainly on on the um, supporting side of both of those statements. Um, but how we get there, I think, is is uh, an interesting challenge that that we have in front of us. And my concern too is the inevitable black backlash and the lack of opportunity um, for progress when we're in this real unknown territory. And I just think that it is, um, it is disconcerting to me that us as women who, you know, there's so much violence against women. There is, you know, inherently, um, a, a lot of work that still needs to be done in protecting women. And how do we do that? in this environment because I certainly, um, I, I get concerned when it's like, again, we go to cancel culture and it's like, let's not cancel women. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, totally. But, and that's, I, the question of progress or the definition of progress is something that I've been confused by in the last five years, because kind of to your point is what a lot of people are promoting is progress. I'm thinking is actually regressive it's creating further division, you know, um, and further definition of and what's censorship. what. And censorship, too, for sure. And so, yeah. Which which guy on the QS would you encourage to self-identify as a woman and go and go take it out? My go. first thought, just because of you, is Tomas Hermes. Oh, Tomas Hermes. Just think. He's Tomas, slight. And he could get sponsored by Hermes handbags. Just think how <laughs> epic great would that surfer. be. Yeah. Thomas Hermes riding for Hermes as a woman would be so progressive, so peak beating Tyler Wright with his Hermes Birkin after, <laughs> after the heat. Um, so the most troubling uh, imagery, imagery that I've seen regarding this whole thing was a post on Instagram from some fight 
like bare knuckle uh, fighting organization, kind of a UFC type thing, but with no gloves at all, no padding on your, and it was an image of a male born transgender woman squaring up against a female born uh, woman before the fight. And the male was the male born was hulking, you yeah. know, just like physiologically they're wearing ultimately underwear. So they're standing there fully flexing, squaring up before the fight. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, this is just an unfair advantage physiologically, yeah. you know? Right. And by the way, it's bare knuckle boxing. Somebody is going to get very, very hurt. Yeah. There will be real repercussions to this. And then this will become the headline and, you know, um, ultimately decisions will be made for all other sporting based on this kind of extreme version of what went down. And I don't know how that fight ended. <laughs> I didn't actually track the story, but it was an alarming image. Yeah. But well, to see the despair. Alarming, I think, across... Like, again, I mean, that's why we're going to get canceled because talking about physiology is no longer, or I think is a verboten topic, right? Like you cannot, that's not something we can talk about, i.e. Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, gone. It's just Potato Head now. Did you see that one? I did, but they're still selling With Mr. Clothes. Potato Head in a box and Mrs. Potato Head in a box, but they're both called Potato Head now. Okay. They didn't remove the mustache or anything. I like thought that. I thought they threw all the clothes into one thing and it was just Potato Head that comes yeah. with male and female clothing. So that was head. the story week one. And then week two, Hasbro came so, out and said, no, 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 we're just changing the name. Okay. But yeah, but, well, I mean, I think which this is, is all, I think this is all really healthy dialogue. And that's, I, I, I mean, that goes back to the initial opening here is is uh a cold open having being able to have com open conversation and, and like i said there's a lot i need to still learn and understand you know from a trans athlete perspective um but i just think that um us being able to have the conversation and and raise our concerns without fear of being canceled or backlash and this is really like the first issue where I have been confronted with this, oh, okay. where, you know, it's like, I, you know, I am just, you know, I have totally lefty parents. I grew up in a very liberal, loving household and, you know, uh, e equality and um, acknowledgement of, you know, systemic racism and all of that was always part of the dinner table conversation. And I, um, you know, it's, it's, the first time where like I have had encountered plenty of like sexism in the workplace and, you know, working in, you know, all kinds of kind of male toxic environments. I'm an agent by trade. So I'm dealing with a very male dominated space, like sports in general is, is male dominated. And so, you know, it's just an interesting challenge mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, part of the problem is that it's all evolving and it's, it's evolving rapidly and we are really in kind of a, uh, a great place culturally where we're having hard conversations and we're trying to create safe space, um, for every situation. Right. And, and that's really important. And I feel like, um, I feel good about that, that, um, the Trump era, has, has kind of ripped some stuff open. Um, but I, I just don't want us to get so far away from, you know, the work that we've done as women that this issue 
like supersedes or eclipses a lot of work that still needs to be done um, in equality for women. You referenced your professional background. Can you give listeners a quick rundown on your pro snowboarding background and then how you transitioned into your current work? Sure. I was just telling Charlie, like, I hope we don't talk about that too but much. But you can, you I can, feel like you can <laughs> bang it out real quick. But, yeah, but we're yeah, also I'll here to discuss something, yeah. so yeah, yeah. let's tee it up. Um, well, I got my start as a, like, I was a, a skateboarding rat in the Northwest who discovered snowboarding in my teens. Um, I fell in love from the first day on the chairlift. It hit me in the back of the head. I was on a a Woody, Burton Woody, and I used Michael Jordan's, Air Jordans as my bladders inside a man's work boot, and the chairlift hit me on the back of the head, and I bit through my tongue and was just bleeding everywhere. But from that first chairlift ride down, I just felt like I had found home like the opportunity to like be in the great outdoors and be in nature and you know I grew up with hippie camping parents and I kind of rebelled against that in my teens but snowboarding was like a culmination of my love my inherent love of nature that I didn't even know I had and this fun new kind of punk experience on the mountain what year was this that was 1984 okay um and so then I just fell in love, and then it was everything I could do to get to the hill. I ended up entering a lot of the first Northwest Series events in in the Seattle area. Was there a women's division? There was. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the interesting thing about snowboarding. For whatever reason, in, in the late 80s, early 90s, women were really, you know, had a seat from the very beginning. So it was... Uh, an interesting opportunity for me and you know there certainly weren't that many women or girls so that also felt right to me because it just felt like you know um, an activity and a, a passion pursuit that was just like I wanted to pursue with reckless abandon it was everything I had to get to the mountain every weekend I ended up winning you know a lot of the north West local contests and then ended up getting sponsored and and then ended up having like a very prolific snowboarding career. I won't say I'm like first generation pro, but I'm pretty close. I'm probably on the mid to tail end of that first generation. And um, I, I was always kind of ambitious. So I worked really closely, probably to the annoyance of my partners, my sponsors with really immersing myself in the brand's um, ended up having a pro model boot with Vans, which did quite well. Um, and then I ended up getting injured. I had multiple knee surgeries. Um, I was riding for Ride Snowboards at the time, which was founded by Tim and Stephanie Pogue. And, you know, had kind of, Ride was like the first snowboard brand who really took like skate culture as its like baseline and created this really fun, diverse team. Um and I was the the woman on the team and got to have a lot of fun, you know, developing products. And they ended up doing an IPO. Uh, it was, you know, the end of the fun, inevitably, as it always is. And then they were distressed and got acquired by K2. In the K2 acquisition, they terminated my contract. I was injured. 
I sued them for wrongful termination. I had a lawyer take me on contingency who essentially made me write my own case. Through that process, I was essentially inspired to represent athletes. Mm -hmm. I felt like there was white space there and um, having, you know, lefty liberal parents felt like, okay, now there's all these multinational corporations coming into snowboarding and who's looking out for the little guy or girl. And what year would this be? That was like 94, okay. 95. Um, I think I officially retired in like 97. So, I, you know, the wheels were turning. Um, I'd always kind of helped out, you know, my boyfriends and their sponsor me proposals and, you know, and, and I did quite well myself. Um, and so through that process, I won the case in arbitration and that was it. I was just like, okay, you know, I was still snowboarding. I didn't officially retire for a few years, but, you know, I had kind of written uh, a business plan for an agency. And then um, I joined uh, a partner and started the first agency uh, specializing in action sports athlete representation. Um, we were acquired by Wasserman in 2005. So I have been kind of doing this for a long time. I've been at Wasserman for almost 15 years. Awesome. So, so yeah. And which uh, action sports do you specialize in or do you? Surfing, skating, snowboarding, yeah. Okay. So really only board sports is really, you know, I have dabbled in, you know, worked with Kerry Hart and, you know, some Mike Sink Mars and some athletes in, in the motocross realm, but it was never the home for me. It was not, I have to work in the spaces that I love and uh, most of my athletes that I've worked with, I've worked with for, you know, 15 or more years. Um, uh, during my career, I have, you know, I represented Paul Rodriguez. P-Rod did his Nike deal and kind of helped build an SB dynasty there. Um, I worked with him for 18 years. Um, Travis Rice is my client. I've helped develop and produce all of his um, groundbreaking content and film and Natural Selection, our uh, live event uh, snowboarding tour that just aired on Red Bull TV, and Tora Bright, uh, two-time Olympic medalist, Yuri Podlachikov, won gold in Sochi. Um, I have Jagger Eaton, Deshaun Jordan, and Haymana Reynolds, who are all on the U.S. team for skateboarding's debut in Tokyo. Um, so, yeah, I have a... Uh I have a bunch of questions about surfers related to management that we can get into mm -hmm. that I want your expertise on. Mm -hmm. Chaz and I like to pontificate about it with zero expertise all yep. the time. So oh, it'll be yeah. nice to be able to rely on you. <laughs> However, uh, what's your current project that you're working on? Your latest um, project? I'm I'm pretty deep in natural selection right now. But the why you're here. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to help you out. I'll help you out a little bit. Thank you, yeah. yes. Um, well, we are, uh, my my partner and I, Sue Izzo, who uh, is a, a longtime former agent and friend, uh, and I are launching Sports Management Mastermind. Um, essentially, it is a course for parents and kids um, to help navigate the development of young talent in collegiate and or action sports. Got it. So um, you can go to the website or you can follow us on Instagram. We're doing a free 90 minute on the 9th and the 11th of March. Um, and then we're going to do a four week intensive. And it's really just uh, our combined 40 plus years of experience 
Um, and I think, you know, I'll, as I get older, I'm 49 this year, you know, I've had a lot of time to reflect in the COVID era about what is my personal legacy. And I think, you know, when it really, you know, my why is, is I really like helping athletes realize their dreams and have really been able to do that and to be able to educate um, parents and kids how to navigate uh, the landscape of, of collegiate and professional sports. I have a, we have a 19 year old daughter who is uh, on a full ride at U of A soccer scholarship. So I have kind of a nice perspective on not only, you know, the, the business that I have been involved in and, and Wasserman, we represent athletes of every genre, but um, to, to also bring that to the table, having sent her on her way, she's a freshman starting playing, you know, 85 minutes a game. So, yeah. It's interesting. I think about, I, maybe we said this to Chuck Patterson too, is um, when I was growing up, I just thought it was like the most talented athlete is the most visible and gets the most representation and earns the most money. And more and more, I realize that's so wildly not true. Well, especially in our worlds, yeah, right? In surfing for sure. And yeah. so, but even with podcasting, that's, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, how do mm. they have this giant audience and not in the surf world necessarily, but um, so the more I kind of analyze it, the common denominator is representation. Those who have good representation seem to thrive and get the deals done yeah. and then and then use that to leverage it to then create more content with hiring better producers, better directors, better, you know, and it's like, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, it just allows, whether it's a creative or an athlete or otherwise, to have more bandwidth to focus on making a For better sure. product, right? Sure. Whether that's competitive or a CPG or, or whatever it is, a podcast. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just creating space and support in a way that allows, you know, we only have so many hours in the day and I think that's where we're really good, um, mm -hmm. as agents is, and, and also, you know, obviously I come with, uh, many years of relationships with brands or otherwise. So it's easy for me, totally. right. To, to help establish market value. I have an inherent understanding of, of where someone's worth might be. I also have the ability to look at you know, other contracts or just, you know, knowledge that I have over the years. And I have a Rolodex that, you know, it's easy for me to go explore on behalf of someone. Um, and, and then I think that where that really helps the most is in athletes being able to feel good about where they are because they know it's the best place for them. Mm. And a lot of times athletes will make decisions based on things that are other than money. Sure. But, you know, is there sustainability here? You know, is there growth potential? Do you like who you're working with? Um, are they really going to get behind you and market you and, and spend dollars against that? So, you know, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun process and, and I really do enjoy it. The, is it sports management masterclass? Or? Sports management mastermind. Mastermind. Where it's so sports, sports management mastermind.com. Yep. And That's right. so it's not, uh, one-on-one on how to become a man and an agent. agent no. It is if you're a parent or a kid and you want to be able to navigate this space, these will give you the tools on how exactly, to do that. Exactly. Awesome. And it, it is my expectation that the courses will evolve. This is our beta essentially, yeah. but this is where like just naturally it felt like there was for, for myself and for Sue, um, 
where we can offer the most benefit for, because athletes who need representation, you know, it's like, how do you get to where you need representation? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to do anything that is going to put me out of a job. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think it will be an interesting potential recruiting tool. And again, it's about like helping kids and parents navigate in a in a way that ensures success yeah there's probably a wide swath of athletes and parents who just need kind of a stepping stone to the next level of when you do need an agent yep exactly so. and that's what this is is and and also you know and and i say this quite often it's not just like about making sure that your athlete is winning everything um, it's also about happiness and, you know, how do you um, help, you know, I always say I'm a co-parent to mm. my athletes because many of them, you know, like Jagger Eaton, I've represented since he was eight. Mm. And so how do you um, help them win, but maybe even more importantly, how do you help them win and be happy winning? And because, not burn out. And there's a lot of, you know, I, th and and I mean, I can say it here. If you look at some of the athletes historically who have been the most winning, whether that's a Sean White or a Kelly Slater, and then you look at their lives and they don't seem very happy. Mm. Miserable is how they seem. <laughs> and you heard it here first. Cersei says Kelly's miserable. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't say that. And I know Kelly personally, and I think Kelly has glimmers of loveliness, but I also think that it's just hard, right? Look at Tiger, look at Jordan. Like there's an archetype, right? And sometimes to be the greatest, to be your the goats, you have to give up everything else. And it is my hope that I can help athletes be great without having to give up everything else so that they can come out of a professional career and have high functioning relationships and a level of emotional intelligence and a level of happiness in transition. Which, which professional surfers are we going to help? David well, Lee? yeah, perfect segue. Yep. So Eli Hanneman just dropped an edit. Uh, I don't know his exact age. I'm going to say 14, maybe 16 at the most. You're familiar with Eli Hanneman? Familiar. Are you familiar with Eli I'm Hanneman? Not. He's a young surfer out of Maui. Um, lots of sponsorship from, I'd say the age of eight, like really amazing talent. Mm -hmm. I mean, no question. The kid is incredibly talented He's got it all. Surfs pipeline, uh, does crazy airs, you know. He seems to be one of the few who is still sponsored by Hurley. I'm not sure how oh. that happened, but mm. he still is. He's always had kind of big contracts from a young age. Anyways, one thing I've questioned in re recent years is the equitability of uh, investing in young talent. Mm. Because I would say there's certainly some unicorns that exist, John John Florence or whatever. Sure. But by and large, I have a feeling most of that money's been wasted. Like if we picked the unicorns, there'd be a hand, five maybe. Three. But there's been hundreds of young surf stars who have had big contracts and then we don't hear about them after the NSSA. Right. So so what does that look like for you as a man at, in management or uh is it worth investing in a young kid? And if it is, do you sign him for 10 years? Do you sign him for three? Because John John got swooped. He was on O'Neill for all of his youth. Yeah. And by the way, I think Kelly was too for a lot of his youth. Yeah. And then they get swooped by the time they actually start to hit their zenith. Right, right. Well, I mean, I think there's a level of, you know, 
accountability to the brands to ensure that if they're going to invest in development talent, that they step up when it's time to step up. I mean, that's that it's hard to compete with Nike, mm-hmm. right? It's one of my big criticisms of the brand is I think that they've done a lot of damage. Mm. Um, Harley as a perfect example. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, yes, investing in young talent is important. I think it's especially important for athletes that don't have family resources and it al- allows, um, opportunity, you know, I, I hate to call it equal opportunity because surfing is obviously a, a rich man's sport, but I, th- I certainly think that kids have more opportunity than they would have otherwise where only rich kids or wealthy parents would be able to sustain the level of travel right. and expense that it takes to really go for it. But is it good for the brand? I mean, what is the brand? Yeah, sure. The kid gets the, to it's only good for It's only good for the brand if they stay the course. If and the kid becomes a star. Yeah. That's a huge investment because that might be 10 years until you ever see a return on that. Yeah, it is. It's funny. Baseball has, you know, and basketball and everything, football, they all have scouts, right? Where they go out and scout kids. I feel surfing desperately needs a scout and has zero... It's just straight up still bro deals from the like TM guy knows the dad. Well, they're the scouts. That's what it is. The I know, TMs. but the TM TM knows TMs the dad, right? The scouts. But look at trusting a TM. Sure, a TM may know talent. A TM though, I feel half the kids who get sponsors uh, or sponsored well at an early age or show prodigious talent, like they don't go away because their talent fails them. They typically go away because they're dumb, right? Or because they make bad decisions, or because there, something happens to them. Well, or they lose. I mean, they're, they got to have heart for the game. Precisely. Right? I mean, that's the thing. There's a, there's a combination of skill, heart, uh, intelligence, ability to kind of navigate a world where I think TMs see one part, right? TMs can see skill, but the rest of it, rarely, I feel, does a prodigious youth, a kid with extraordinary skill, fail because his skill fails him. Agree. Nine times out of 10, he fails because either emotionally he, you know, whatever, he burns out. There's some other thing that happens to him. I feel like this all just comes back to parenting. Sure. But, but I, I agree. Ultimately, management helps, but like Carissa Moore's dad has been steadfast in her life and she seems to have her head on straight. You know, like, and even though she's won a bunch of world titles, you don't see her, um, she's still humble. You know, and I feel like that can only be related to parenting. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I mean, obviously it takes a support team um, and and some of that comes from the brands, but I think a lot of it is parenting and, and just ensuring that there's a level of protections and ensuring that they get to continue to have fun because what's the point Yeah, if it's not fun? Then it's just a job and you can go get a job doing whatever, but you might as well have fun. Totally. It seems almost impossible. Um, like if you have that much talent and you have, and you start experiencing success and you start experiencing money and wealth and world travel and all of that comes with that, it seems impossible to be normal. Like if there's just so much vice available that it could spin you out. Like, but you could say the same thing about a kid at college, 
right? But they're like older. Where, I mean, usually, well, so it's usually yeah, it's exactly. in surfers, usually they're right, eight, nine, ten when they're starting to that's sparkle. That's true. That's true. But there's but that that is where parenting is critical. Yeah. Right. Because once they get to be eighteen or nineteen, which is college age, is when all of those things are available to you, whether that's drinking or right. partying or sex or whatever, and that's where. It's like you have a captive audience until 18 or 19 when you're, you know, in parental, you know, control for lack of a better word. And you have to make sure that by the time they're 18, that they have the fundamentals that are going to allow them a level of accountability and good decision making when they are adults. And that's where, you know, I think, and I think even in surfing, like a lot of TMs are total sycophants and totally enablers and i mean if you look historically there's been plenty of of industry uh marketing managers or tms who are contributing to you know the the demise of someone's potential and so i think that's where again you know parenting to a certain point is is incredibly important and that parents should identify like brands that have a level of accountability and i think historically in action sports like that's like frowned upon right like we're Mm -hmm. the rebels we're you know partying is part of the culture and like let them have some fun and you know let them you know make out with whatever cute girl is waiting outside the hotel room because that's the benefits of fame but that's that's where you know i think trouble happens i the problem i have with like seeing the reason why i brought up eli hanneman was he's a He has an edit that just dropped yesterday or the day before, and it's amazing. But whenever I see young kids like that with all of this kind of um, management and support promoting them, I just think this doesn't bode well even for Eli Hanneman. Like, it's almost, it's too much too soon. And you look historically, Julian Wilson doesn't have a world title yet. Chloe Andino doesn't have a world title yet. Gabriel Medina... Uh-oh, but is kind of the one example who does. But just had a falling out with Step Happy. So, which is also interesting. Like, that's a point of discussion, too. So that much kind of promotion from a very young age, I just feel like there's very few humans who can navigate and manage all of the what comes with that. And then secondly, just in the public's eye, it's almost overexposure. Because as maybe for us, the viewers, but certainly the judges, Julian Wilson paddles out. We have a certain expectation. We're just like, I've seen you surf for 15 years now. You have to do the craziest air I've seen to even get an eight. Whereas if some no-name or Wade Carmichael did the exact same air, it's absolutely a 10. Or if it was half the air, they'd give him a 10 because we're not expecting Wade Carmichael to do that. So there's all this expectation that gets created in the marketplace by somebody blowing up at at a young age. And so I don't think it even serves the athlete well, you know? I mean, I think you're you're right. I think... You know, it's like they say the cream rises, right? And so there's a natural uh, evolution that happens. And if someone is really, you know, got eye of the tiger, and I think Kelly's a perfect example of someone who has has had an unprecedented level of sustainability of, totally. of success. Um, and I think that, you know, it is on us as parents um, and agents or managers to protect those children Um, and there's just so many trappings. It's like anything else. It's like, you know, I'll use Billie Eilish as an example, right? Like she has like a really healthy family dynamic. 
and she's young and has had all of this success and fame, but also there's like fundamental support system that allows for her to navigate that with uh, real strict levels of protection that ensure that she can continue to make art. And I think it's the same thing for sports, right? It's like, you know, I mean, look at Tiger Woods. I mean, he's just a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And yeah, his dad, you know, helped raise one of the greatest golfers, if not the greatest golfer of all time. But is Tiger Woods happy? But his dad also facilitated some of the messiness. I watched that documentary. They've got a camper in the parking lot when he's a teenager banging chicks, banging groupies. Exactly. And, And I think that that is like a fundamental problem. And I have personal experience with that where especially fathers think that you've earned this. Mm-hmm. You have earned just whatever, you know, Proho shows up on your doorstep. Go for it, son. Yeah. Like that is a totally acceptable uh, benefit. And I think that's where um, things go wrong. At least we have Mr. Coffee. I mean, as, as, <laughs> as, example, a, shining as a shining beacon of how to navigate <laughs> both fame and fortune and talent with your four daughters. That's true. Mm-hmm. Shining example. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Gabriel Medina. So the news story from Beach Grit this week. Why don't you explain it? I've been doing uh, a lot of this was, this was a hot one, a hot take coming in. We have like a couple now Brazilian uh, sources who dig through or read, I guess they probably didn't even dig, just read Portuguese. And so can tell us what's happening. And so this was hot off the... Uh, you know, Brazil tabloid is that uh, Gabriel Medina, two-time world champion, two-time, two-time world champion, uh, got married to his model girlfriend who also Brazilian media says might be a beard since Neymar Jr. and Gabriel may possibly be involved in a relationship themselves. A lot of steam coming out of Brazil, but that uh, the relationship between Gabriel, the marriage between Gabriel and his new wife, upset his stepfather, Charlie, and wife, who feel that they've given everything to make Gabriel's career happen, and he's at this point now, and now that he's married, it's all going to go away. He's going to blow it, going to make so, bad decisions. And th- all Is of there this- a prenup? This is what the agent would ask. I don't we I don't. No we idea. don't know, but the... All of this rumor was stimulated by the fact that he and his family stopped following each other on Instagram. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So like all these leaps, like, yeah. well, it's because he got married. The timing works for that. Sure. But I mean, it might be a beard because. Is she know, a beard or is that just like a clickbait? Or, or I think it's, he I, can be having I a think bisexual relationship in addition to the marriage. That exists too. You know? I hope he is. You I hope think that, that, that Gabriel Medina and Neymar Jr.? Uh, yeah. I mean, they do take fabulous pictures together. It's super hot. I <laughs> mean, mm. come on. Yeah, yeah, it's correct. True. It, it would elevate their brand. It, I mean, oh my goodness. I, they I would think crush. it's super sexy, and I hope it's true. They would crush. Especially because there's a hot model in the triangulation. There's two hot models. I think Neymar Jr. is either married there's or There's unlimited dating, access right? to hot models yeah, in their world, Brazil. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have a question, though, for both of you. How Does this help or hinder a world title campaign? I mean, look at the stats. Uh, Kelly, singularly focused, like he can win world titles. You know, I'm just, and I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I would think if you look across the board, it's generally unpe- unmarried young people winning world titles. Does 
a marriage help or hinder the world title campaign for Gabriel Medina? I think it totally depends on the wife or husband. Mm, I'm going to say it hinders. Look at at Julian Wilson. Julian Wilson blew it getting married. I mean, happy. So even if you have a titleist. Right. So what's more important? Obviously happiness. Well, that's a different question. That's a totally different question. It's a good question as the manager who's looking out for the youth's best interest. I think you can do both. I think you can can do both. Okay. I do. I do. I absolutely do. I'm, I'm really digging deep for an example here, but. Who, who got married and then like uh, settled them down. And in terms of not just like having a better career, like I could, I could say that Josh Kerr, Josh Kerr's career has been phenomenally better because of his wife. Right. Yeah. He and married, he seems more happy. Yeah. He's, yeah. And, and he's done way more interesting stuff like a Josh Kerr, Kerr, single Josh Kerr sitting 15th in the world, you know, surfing heats is boring. Josh Kerr, what he's done both in travel, in film, and, and raising then now with Sierra. Phenoms. Exactly. Yeah. Like his whole thing. So in terms of overall career, yes. But in terms of winning titles. Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably, I think, I think that is a very valid, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think in, even in traditional sports, um, what's the Seahawk and Russell his Wilson? wife? Yeah. They yeah. have they're they're like a total awesome power couple. They are, but Russell Wilson's failing these yeah, days. Yeah, that's might, true. Might get dropped. He's getting soft yeah. with his family. He's, yeah, you oh, find joy, and then yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like there, really, a lot of times, winning comes at all costs. Tom Tom I Brady, I reckon you could say. Oh, he's a great example. But marrying didn't. I I don't know that Giselle helped him. I think Giselle didn't hurt him. I think that Tom <laughs> Brady might be so myopically selfish. That uh, he just puts everything. He puts Giselle in a box with the family during right, the season. Well, maybe Kelly should have married Giselle. Then. Well, I mean, <laughs> Kelly's stinking flat out blew it. Kelly would have won number twelve. TB twelve. Kelly eleven. If Giselle was on his arm, well, she uh, could be the secret sauce. I mean, I think Giselle that could is be the, the secret of Tom Brady's power, longevity, and why Kelly's just faded. Um, so fading th- down the line. Oh, poor Kelly. I'm sad. I, sad to be Kelly Slater. Pardon me. So Joel Parkinson, by the way, won a world title after he got married. Yeah, but that's on tour with. But him. is a straight up gimme world title. Let's be honest. That's not. Yeah. A, I agree. That's not a legit. I world was there title. for that. Were you? Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, but he didn't have any contenders at that time who were at the top of their game. Yeah. But, uh, so part of me agrees with everything you just said, which is singular focus. Put everything aside. That's how you win world titles in surfing. But I think there could be another level, which is, um, and maybe this is Tom Brady is full enlightenment. Ooh. It's like, yeah, I did that to develop the talent, but now really to get to the next level, I need, I want to rest, to settle into right. all these other things that I want in my life. And John John Florence seems like a guy who's doing this. He got married also. Are you sure he's married? Because Nathan is married. Here's the thing. They both is got married. They both got married. You're yeah. positive that JJF, Florence and the machine got married. I wasn't there. I haven't seen, but yes. Okay. So yeah, I mean, John John does seem like Lauren such, Cribben, such a wild unicorn uh, in terms of both being in the major spotlight as a kid, effortlessly winning titles, right? I mean, John John's yeah. titles were, there looked like no sweat off his brow. He just went and won a couple world titles. Three? 
two. Many has he won? He's two. got two. He's got an Eddie. He's got two world titles. But when I say actualized, is like it seems like he's living his best life. Sure. Like he's gardening. He's going sailing for a month or three at a time. He's into photography. He's got all these other interests that don't seem superficial. You know, like like the the things that Gabriel Medina is interested in. I feel like you burn out with. You know, it's a bunch of partying and all that sort. It's the limelight. John John shies away from those things, and they seem to be actual like um, fulfilling like things that he actually likes, and also things that will satisfy your soul or like help you grow in certain ways or something. And so, I could see John John leveraging not leveraging, but like the marriage making him wholer than he was before the world titles, and then perpetuating more world titles. Where I worry that Gabriel Medina is going to be Gabriel Medina's biggest enemy. You know, I wish that we had surfing well, but this he, year. Yeah, I mean, his star shines bright, right? So, yeah. like, what is success? You've already won. He's got 9 million Instagram followers. Kelly only has four. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I, I'm quite sure he probably has a level of legacy wealth. Like, and at a certain point, it's like, you know. Who cares about the titles? Well, I mean, I think if you look historically at the, you know, the, the most winning athletes in their respective fields do burn through everything. They do do it at all costs. And it, they're, they're so attached to their success or winning as their identity that that's what keeps them going, right? Michael Jordan's an asshole. Is he? Yeah. I mean, I've heard. I think so. Yeah, I've heard. They all are. TB, the, the qu- great question is, is Tom Brady 12 a butt? <laughs> <laughs> or or is he is he an okay kind of guy? <laughs> is he? Do you think he is? If you he had, seems super normal and nice. Cersei and I well, sat. Yeah, we had dinner with him at yeah, Capo. We sat next to him at Capo, and but he was being annoying with his annoying frat boy friends. No, no, they uh, were watching a boxing. Exactly. Match. Well, well how annoying. many people were not, at this dinner? It was not the time nor place to watch a boxing match. Uh, on he your was iPhone. with three other people, and we were just sitting at the table next. We were, to oh, okay. we were, okay. we were okay. right okay. next door. We had like a front row seat to the Tom Brady cop. But he game. had like, gotcha. he had like three frat boy looking friends and they had their, his or one of their sure iPhones. Were, one of them was like his agent. They, they had the iPhone set up on the table and we're yeah, watching yeah. a bot and great. It's boxing. That's fine. But go to, you can get a table at Capo anytime, Tom Brady. Go, go get your table after you watch your dang boxing match. Well, I don't know. When you're Tom Brady, you do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. But, but you, it was like an annoying fratty weird? thing to do. And also to watch how? an iPhone on your table. <laughs> How weird would it be to be in his shoes where you just know everybody's watching every single move you do? Yeah. Like, should I bring this iPhone out right now? Well, what are people going to say about it? And yeah. should I act like a frat boy right now? Like, that's a nightmare. Seeing seeing him partying. Well, what uh, he, whatever he is, kind of a frat boy. I mean, whatever. Yeah, he, he totally is. He's BFFs with Belichick, who's a total douchebag. Right? I don't think they're BFFs anymore. I think that relationship, just well, like Gabriel sure. Medina it and burns out. Charlie. And <laughs> did, you ever, <laughs> did you ever see that um, Aziz Ansari stand-up special where he talked about seeing 50 Cent at a restaurant in New York? No. He's like, yeah, 50 came over. He was at the table next to me and it was some like health food type whatever and they had all these um, craft sodas on the menu and so 50 ordered a grapefruit soda and the waiter brings it over and sets it down and 50 looks at it, looks up at the waiter and goes, why isn't it purple? <laughs> and the waiter's like, oh, it's it's grapefruit. He goes, yeah, I know. It's grapefruit. Like, why isn't it purple? <laughs> and Aziz's joke was like, this man 
you don't have to be that wealthy to encounter a grapefruit in your life. Like I've seen him every single day when I'm in New York. He had never seen a grapefruit before in his life. Well, you know? it was like vitamin water. Wasn't that his big? Oh, yeah. that's yeah. right. So I'm sure the grapefruit vitamin water. Hopefully it's purple. Just purple. It yeah. should be. I mean, it should be. Fitty. Yeah. Uh, so can I ask, you are a winner, I would say. you've won, And how did having a kid, is Ava, is your oldest daughter? Yeah. Did that uh, affect your professional career in any way? Well, that's an interesting question because I think I really struggled with that when I was pregnant with Ava um, because I've just really always wanted to be successful and I really worried about that. Like, was I going to be able to be a good mom and continue to pursue my career, you know, fluidly? Yeah. And... There's no question in my mind that being a mother has made me a better business person. Okay. You weren't pro snowboarding snowboarding at the time, though? No. Okay. I, I was actually kind of in transition when I got pregnant with her. I was 29. So I had been working as an agent, and then I took a break with her, um, and but then started, like, literally – when she was born, I started working again. Okay. Um, because I just couldn't sit still. And I think I felt, I all, I almost, I did. I overcompensated. Oh, okay. Because <clears throat> I wanted to challenge the stereotypes or the um, assumptions about women as agents or in the workplace or et cetera. Cause that's something we haven't seen in a women world title, uh, contender in surfing is in, in the modern era anyways, yeah. is somebody, I mean, Lisa did it, but yeah, exactly. And so I'm curious what that would look like because I think about Carissa Moore and she's recently married and I think she took, or she was going to take the, she well, took, she took COVID off before thankfully. COVID was yeah, announced. She was going to take the year yeah, off. She was going to yeah. take the year off. And I thought good for her. And, She's probably making that decision because she wants to have some semblance of a normal life that her friends are having and all that sort of stuff. And maybe a kid is included in that. And I thought, good for her. But then my second thought was, does she come back and keep winning world titles? Right. We, don't, we haven't seen that in the modern era. No, and yeah. I think, I mean, Serena's probably one of the best examples in modern day. Um, but she lost. Did she? The, the Australian Aussie, Aussie Open. Open. Oh, yeah. Did she? Yeah. There, there's an ascendant new crop of... Well, that what's her name is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, what uh, the Japanese? Yeah, Osaka. Uh, Osaka. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who's amazing? Yeah, mm. yeah. But I mean, Serena's a queen. Like yeah. she yeah. has She's well established her legacy. And at this point. like having so much fun as a mother, and has an amazing partner, and I think just as an observer, like she has it all. Yeah, Beyonce did good Seems after like having it. kids. Sure did. As an athlete. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> She's super athletic, <laughs> actually, I mean, on, on stage. She really is. is. Unbelievable. Yeah. She really is. Um, so we're all in agreement. then. Getting married and having a kid. Screws your... No, oh, elevates. Sorry, yeah. Allows you to. <laughs> I mean, I think it really comes down to the level of sophistication of the parent. Agreed. Agreed. One thing I was going to ask you about, and this could actually be a barrel or not segment if we wanted to, is um, Chaz always promotes... This is directly related to Gabriel Medina also. Sweet. Chaz always promotes, uh, in terms of romantic relationships, diving all in, mm. getting married immediately. Yeah. And it's 
risky, but there's with great risk comes great reward. In fact, there's no way to achieve great reward without great risk. Never. And so how long did you guys know each other before you got married? I think it was three and a half months, maybe. So Chaz has talked about well, that. We met in August and we're married in November. Yeah. So whatever that. So he uh, talks glowingly about weeks. it. Yeah, 10 weeks. <laughs> so he talks glowingly about it. What was your perspective on that situation? Um, I mean, it's been just a grand adventure and that's really how Charlie sold it. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Great answer. Yeah. At the time, was it super scary? Yeah, I mean, I had cold feet kind of right before the wedding. And Charlie took me to lunch at the Four Seasons and said, what do you got to lose? Like, we're both too old to be boyfriend and girlfriend. And what's the worst that can happen? We get divorced again? We've both done that. And there was never been a truer statement. And, you know, the minute I walked down the aisle, I knew this was it. Um, did your family and friends caution you? Uh, I did have uh, one of my best friends, Jen Danska, insist that I do a prenup. She would literally would not talk to me or come to the wedding unless I did one. Yeah. Um, which is funny because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we have our lives are so intertwined. It's not like that will never become an issue. Um, Charlie has... Uh, insisted that I tear up the prenup as soon as he makes more money than me. She has to, she has to change her last name to Smith. <laughs> and tear up the prenup. And, and so, so it's I think coming. It's, I think I got it next month. Yeah. You think so? Whoop. Whoop is going to kick Can me they pay blood. all in advance? <laughs> uh, yeah, so he mentioned that too at one point about the name change. And I was like, oh, like, okay, like, so you got to earn more than her for a year? He's like, no, no, no. No, no. I'm like, like we, for we, a month? And he's I like, I don't we, know, like one day? I need to earn more than <laughs> we clarified this recently. We did? It, yes. It's not a week? It's a year. Oh, dang oh, it. Yeah. He has to make more than me okay. in any single year. Come on, whoop. You might as well just like laminate that prenup. It's never getting shredded. <laughs> what? 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 No, I think, yeah, I think. I got it. I got it. Whoop is going to sponsor me to climb Mount Everest. Okay. Uh, whoop nope. is going to. Nope. What? Nope. Um, Whoop plus a book deal. Yeah, plus, plus maybe some movie rights. Plus, plus see, that's the thing. I'm always trying to add, 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 add. It hasn't quite stacked <laughs> up yet. But yeah. well, I always say Charlie's like 99.9 percent the perfect husband. What's the point? What's the money. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. I didn't want to presume, even though we were talking. Uh, okay, the perfect segue to my, one of my next topics. Uh, how do you balance ath athlete partnerships between endemic brands and non-endemic brands? And this relates to us, but it certainly relates to what you do. It certainly relates to the female world tour. I think they have so much marketability outside of endemic surf brands. Barefoot Wines. Any and everything, kind of. They're more marketable than male surfers, kind of non-endemically. Uh, but it relates to us, too. You mentioned Whoop. Uh, spoiler alert to listeners. They'll be sponsoring the podcast from April onward for a bit. And whoop, whoop. Yeah. And so it's like I want to invest in the surf industry. So if we can promote brands here that benefit from our promotion, let's do that. I'm thrilled to do that. However... Brands have been reticent to be associated with us for what, who knows I what reason. I have no idea I why. Why? <laughs> and part of it is me every look, day. It's absurd. Well, it is absurd, and part of it is they don't want to spend money. 
which that's is that's exactly what it is. That's all it is. Okay. Because ultimately, I mean, here's my problem with the endemic market is it's not endemic anymore. Good point. I mean, you look at, I mean, board riders, Nike, Blue Star, I mean, they own everything. So where are the core brands? And that's where it's like, I just laugh, you know, where Vans tries to suggest that they're such a core brand that they might not make an investment in something like this, where I'm sorry, you did, you know, how much in sales last year? And you're owned by VF, which is a multinational billion dollar corporation. So, you know, I think and I'll use snowboarding and skateboarding as an example because I think there's more endemic brands still kicking than in surf. Surf has just been totally homogenized, in my opinion, except for shapers. Mm-hmm. You know, boards is the last bastion of kind of independent, artistically driven, independent businesses. But I think that... I mean, my suggestion for you guys would be to include... I mean, obviously, album is is your home here, but continue to provide support for, for those brands. And then if the bigger ones want the visibility, then they should make an investment. Yeah. And it's, it's ultimately their loss. Like if they're not going to start investing in, you know, um, properties or platforms, you know, using beach grit as an example, I mean, everyone loves beach grit because they have total journalistic autonomy and they say whatever they want to say. And they, all of the people that read beach grit, know that they're not bought and sold for a brand. Mm -hmm. And even when they do do a partnership with the brand, they're totally transparent about it in a way that allows for a level of authenticity that I think gets lost, especially when your only brands are only doing their own initiatives and not actually investing in the culture and the community. So with the athletes that you managed, is is there a concern about losing authenticity if you partner with non-endemics? Oh, yeah. Sure. But I mean... Non-endemics, if they want to spend dollars on athletes all day long, because ultimately brands live on. Athletes only have a timestamp for the amount of, of earning potential that they have. And, you know, it kills me whenever people are critical about athletes doing corporate brand endorsements because they're not core cool. And it's like, let the kids live, you know. I mean, let them maximize everything they've earned it and I you know obviously I'm I'm an elder now and so I'm a little jaded here but you know I I think that the core has been eviscerated mm-hmm. and you uh, you know I look at what you guys are doing here on the podcast and then Beach Grit which is you know really got so much heart and is the core and um, continues to get snubbed by you know advertising dollars, which is actually really benefited them because they're not, you know, at the mercy of, um, their opinions. Right. Yeah. Screw you, Vans. <laughs> actually, no, we're still open to the offer. Oh, sorry. Sorry. So welcome Vans. <laughs> um, no, and I just use Vans as an example because, you know, they're doing so well and, you know, I feel challenged by them sometimes like really make the investment, making the investment in the core aspects of the business that are so critically important. Yeah. I, um, I think we're going to forge on no matter what, (laughs) you know, I think we've proven after enough years that it's like, we'll just keep doing this because there's value to it. We enjoy doing it firstly, and then there's value to it. And we engage with 
the audience every single day through DMs or whatever else to where it's meaningful. That's right. And I think that's all that matters because there is inevitably opportunity there. And if you continue to grow your audience, you're going to have more and more opportunities. And, and, you know, it's just been a weird time, too, I think. For sure. Yeah. We, you know, there's a uh, there, the ebb and flow. It always happens. We saw it, whatever, you know, in 2008. You know, we'll see we're seeing it now where there's like resets happening and people, you know, things get top heavy and then there's a correction. And yeah. And, but, you know, I look at skateboarding, like it's had more growth, I think 3 million new participants or something like surfing is second. Because of COVID or since yeah. COVID? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Interesting. Surfing, skateboarding and then surfing, which is, I think, like 800 or a million new consumers. Wave storms. Yeah. Who's um, gauging those numbers or measuring those numbers? Um, I just have a data report from one of the sports yeah. uh, manufacturers association. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, should we go to commercial? Speaking of sponsors, should we go to commercial break? Let's hit it up. eBay. All right, we're back. I really do. Every week, I feel more and more sorry for the people who subscribed and don't get to hear our advertisements. If you subscribe to the Surf Splinter podcast for, what does the subscription cost? Five bucks a month. Five bucks a month. If you oh, pay yeah. five bucks a month, you skip the ads. The problem is our ads are so good that we're screwing <laughs> our subscribers. That's true. By, Just by, for you subscribers out there, they're not that good. Uh, <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, that's harsh. I You're know. not I'm missing offended. anything. I'm offended. You're, eBay's offended too. You're not missing anything. Um, would you like to play around a barrel or not? Oh, sure. So barrel or not is barrel means it's good, not means it's not good. So I'm going to give right. you three topics and you weigh in on whether you approve of them or not. Okay. But we'll follow up from last week. Last week I asked Woody Allen, barrel or not, because he has a new documentary out or there's a documentary out about his uh, improprieties and it's called Pharaoh versus Allen. Have you watched this? No, but I'm going to say not. <laughs> You're not into Woody? Not really. I mean, when you have that many kids calling foul and you married one of them that's just weird it is weird but we had this conversation yesterday though does that mean you can never enjoy midnight in paris again that's really what the question was. no i mean sleeper is one of the best comedic films of all time so, so. that's so you're so you're not I mean, gonna cancel I, I, Woody yeah i'm i'm tired of canceling the libraries of of prolific artists i've got know. a counterpoint Ooh, hit me so last week we've we, we kind of came to the conclusion we're still going to enjoy the art okay Great. I'm still going to listen to Michael Jackson when it comes on. But you're not going to do anything that enriches them. That's what I thought last week, right? Okay. But then I watched Fair the enough. documentary. You're over. You're canceling parts. Woody Allen. I have a uh, deeper okay. understanding now. And this doesn't necessarily apply to Michael, but it specifically applies to Woody. Look at all of Woody Allen's films. It's all about an older male sure. seducing a younger female. This Man is true. Manhattan. This is the true. The girl is like, right. she's a teenager. You see and it he's with 42. new eyes. Yeah. And so- Part of the argument that um, some of the people they were interviewing was making was he is trying to normalize what he's doing in real life right. through his, his art. art. And so us, by all kind of being fans, we are being influenced by it. And it does become somewhat normalized through ingesting this art. And so... Okay, that, but I mean, you could say the same, same thing about Call Me By My Name. I mean, but I didn't like Call Me By My Name. No, Wait, how, what would you say about that? Look oh, because that he it's was normalizing, a teenager. That. Yeah, that it's normalizing, I don't know. Cannibalism. Look at what's ha what has happened to Army <laughs> Hammer since. I mean, Timothy Chalmay was 
quite young. He in was that. a teenager in that. But was were, were there was there a legal boundary crossed there for in sure? That film, I forget I the think age so. difference. Yeah, yes. I mean, I think it was he was tentatively eighteen, but like a very young looking eighteen. And now we <laughs> but have like a my cannibal. teen daughter loved that film. I liked the film, Me and too. but I think that I don't know that that glamorized the relationship. But for sure, glamorized cannibalism. <laughs> Wait, I don't remember the cannibalism oh, in the film. Oh, Army Hammer just got in a bunch of trouble. I think that this for, was... A, oh, I missed this story. You, oh, you really? missed Army Hammer's cannibalism? Uh, what did he do? He's got, we should not huge, even talk about it. It's so gross. He's hugely busted for cannibal fantasies. He has like some weird cannibalistic fantasies. He sends lots of DMs to girls about how I want to eat your like, ribs and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, can you have a rib removed so I can gnaw on it? His, his wife left him. He's Yeah, he's it's a real fall skis. from grace. He yeah. got canceled. Wow. For sure. He's wow. done. Army. But Goodbye. I didn't really realize that he came from like a full aristocratic of course. family. So I Arm guess and hammer. Makes Arm and hammer. <laughs> it makes a little more sense. Yeah. Um, Oil so, family. so with, yeah. so the question is like, Woody is perpetuating these ideologies through his art. I don't know that call me by your name was that I think it was more a snapshot of actual things that happen and you can draw your own conclusion. I didn't feel like the filmmakers were glorifying that age difference or the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Woody Allen is glorifying it. And yeah, I mean, it's just repeated over and over yeah. and over again. So yeah, that, And Michael no. Jackson wasn't doing that through his artwork. He wasn't singing about molesting children in his art. In I his mean, cut music. No, Come Cuddle in My it. Bed was, was his, his hit single. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come Get Underneath the Sheets with Your Teddy Bear was a little over the line. It <laughs> <laughs> was my this least is, favorite of his We shouldn't even be laughing about this. It's so disturbing. I'm with you. Down on uh, no barrel. Just just watching, <laughs> seeing the clips of, uh, <laughs> definitely no barrel, seeing the clips of Manhattan again, I was like, oh yeah, I guess I see that in a different light now knowing <laughs> yeah. what he was doing <laughs> while he was making the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to say no more Woody so, Allen. Okay. Okay. okay, Woody Allen, gone. All right, All right so barrel or not, nah, Dr. Seuss. I mean, just can't be a bigger barrel. I think that, it is a slippery slope when you totally start. I mean, I, I think Dr. Seuss is, he would be very upset that anyone thought that he was a racist, like if he were still alive. Um, and I think art is great for conversation and, um, that was a time in the world where, you know, he didn't know any better. It was just the norm. And so I think it is, uh, I, I don't think you can just, you know, Charlie and I were talking about this yesterday, like the value of those books now has just gone through the roof, right? Like oh, they take they? them out of print. Yeah. All, the, all six. And so it doesn't solve or... the problem. You know what I mean? Like it's it's about having conversation around that, and you know if the family could have made a statement, or if they had something like it, you know that was reflective of his um, belief system that could counter that. I think that would have been a better way to handle it than just canceling his works. The on Beach Grid. I got down into the comment section on this one because yeah, this one was a, I mean, it's a conversation or a topic that is, I mean, I, with Beach Grit always, right? It is pillars of incompetence. When I get stuff wrong, 
they stand. They are the historical record. To right. go back in right. and edit, to me, once something's created, the artist is not, I think, for my money, Dr. Seuss is great as a guy, I'm sure, fantastic guy, but it's Dr. Seuss's work that's more important than Dr. Seuss the person, right? The work has to stand. The work is what's important. Uh, and so even if he did something, even if he made something, because that's the criticism or some of the argument against was, well, it was Dr. Seuss Enterprises who canceled. They're making a free market decision that they don't want these six books aren't representative of. Da, but da, 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 maybe da. that's okay, given that, you know, as an example, I know that, you know, in one of the books, there was uh, a Chinese character and there was some inference of, of racism and with, you know, all of the rise of Asian hate and all of that, that it's like, it's, especially because they're children's books, yeah. that the, the objective there is to protect the children or Asian children from... from but, uh, but to go back and scrub history, you just can't. There's too much out there to go make history look like we, like but it you're looks not to scrubbing, us today. You're not scrubbing history when all they're saying is, hey, listen, we don't feel that these are good representations of, of totally, times. Uh, and, and they'll still live in an archive. You can still buy them on eBay or whatever. I mean, I... Great. But you, as a parent, go into a, a bookstore and Nobody's you're buying. just buying a Dr. Seuss. You don't know that they're, and you have a, a Asian or biracial child. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, wait a minute, this is hurtful. Yeah. And you say that's the way people used to draw you back that, in 1940 odd or whenever. And the that more was. offensive ones were. There's uh, a drawing of, yeah, a white guy whipping a black guy. Yeah, that's And then another go. one of a sure, white guy but holding to, but, a gun to three black guys. But to that's erase gotta it. That's got to go. But that's, I'm, I'm going to say. No. To erase it and say that, <laughs> oh, back in the past, everybody was fine. What I wonder is, moving along with this, for like, okay, we can talk about Dr. Seuss and, oh, look at how horrible, how horrible. Sure, that well, that's not a cool. But those drawing. kinds of images in children's books. Yeah, but nobody's you know? buying. Nobody's really buying. I mean, it's that a book. great university course, right? But I, I, I I'm, I'm gonna say. Well, but a parent, everybody. Now that it's public, no parent. You know, I mean, all to say though, what's gonna get canceled today? I, it's I wonder, not hurting anybody. Removing those harmful images from children books. It hurts in, history. It hurts well, history. What's it scrubs still, and changes st history. No, no, they're still, they're still there. What's actually happened here, by the way? They're not burning them. I mean, what's actually happened here is that doc, the headline is Dr. Seuss gets canceled. That's actually not what happened. No, the Six Enterprise. books right. got removed from printing. So the rest of the Dr. Seuss books are still in print. It's not like they eliminated the but, cat in the hat but, and everything. Right, but, right. So I think this is actually important. Those books, you're saying don't erase history. You're right. They're not erasing those six books. They're not printing them for future generations, but those books are still available on the gray market that you could purchase. Oh, yeah. You may pay a premium for them. So they're not erasing Dr. Seuss' legacy. And a year ago, I think they would have canceled Dr. Seuss full stop. Right. Cat in the Hat would have got stopped printing, you know? Right. So I think we're at a point now where we've evolved in the past year to where it's I not agree. a full cancellation. It's these books, by Deadly. the behest of his Even own family- worse. Even worse. Because they even said his his own family said his thoughts evolved throughout his sure. life. So he right. was born 120 years ago. But so so and he had these thoughts a hundred years so ago it, when he wrote the books. That's why I think it's and so, when he was older he would not have printed these right. books. precisely. But that's, that's why it's right. so damning. Right. Let history he might record not, he his. Might, he might be okay with it. No, let it's you know still I mean? recorded. It's pillar 
of it's incompetence. Still let history they're just not printing them anymore. Let history record the arc, not like erasing the parts we don't like about. They're our not history. erasing it. That's mm. the. That's, they're just not printing them anymore. They're just not making them anymore because they are not reflected. Those six books dangerous. Dangerous. And there were books and nobody damning. even did. I never read I never any of those heard six of books. I never no. even heard. That's the guys it. made ten thousand books, and it's I'm crazy. sure that's because book buyers knew yeah. that these were not appropriate for children because just, of some of the imagery. I don't think and, the. I think they just knew these don't sell. Like people don't like right. these books as much, probably because right. of because those they're things. offensive. Yeah. yeah, and so I'd rather yeah. sell books that are going to sell. Well, and typically that happens naturally. Totally. Right? The market sorted it out already. Yeah. And and I mean, honestly, it's like someone picked up a headline, Yeah, you know, probably on the right, who was like, why are we canceling this one? It's just like, no, the book publisher just decided these weren't selling. Totally. And there's some offensive imagery. So it's a business decision purely based on economics, not yeah. necessarily on... Disagree. Yep. Awful precedent. Dangerous. No, you're just dangerous. Uh, so you're going barrel on. I'm going barrel on Doctor okay. Seuss. Barrel on Doctor Seuss. Barrel on all of Doctor Seuss. Barrel on Doctor Seuss's history. Cersei. Barrel on Doctor Seuss. I mean, yeah. I think we're gonna make the section. Yeah. Even okay. the barrel and the section. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Caught a little chandelier on <laughs> the exit. We're just gonna, you know. All right. I'm, I'm definitely that. barrel on Doctor Seuss. Far more. It's a net gain for sure. It's a good. Dr. Yeah. Seuss yeah. is good. I agree. Uh, I agree. Barrel or not, a college degree. Ooh. This is relevant to you guys. I know you can justify sending it your really kid is. to college because there's a scho soccer scholarship and all that, but just in general, for all of our listeners who are thinking about forking out the money to send their kid to college, college degree. Well, is I didn't go to college, so. There you go. Uh, but uh, honestly, there are so many jobs that require a baseline college education now to even get in the room. So I, I think if your kid wants to learn and they have a passion for learning and that's, I think it's every, it's up to every kid, right? But that they should have the opportunity if they want it. Yes. I'm going to say yes. Barrel. My thinking has evolved on the issue. I went to college, got a master's degree, went twice. I liked it so much. And really would have said before having a child, like, yes, there is only a few non-negotiables in this life. One is a college well, and education. And you loved your college experience. I loved it, totally. But now I think that, it, like, yeah, if daughter is dancing in ballet, I would, you know, great, go to a ballet academy. Like, you don't have to go to a traditional, as long as you're pursuing some passion, I don't think that passion has to necessarily involve a university degree anymore. Like as long as you're really, as long as for her, she's really chasing something, uh, then chase away. Like it doesn't have to be college. But if you're, I agree. I wouldn't that. allow her to sit at home and not know what she wanted to do and then think about maybe going to cut hair to make some money or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it would be college or another person. Sure. College is the default. College is the default. Yeah. Got it. So I'm going, I'm taking that as a nah. I'm taking it, yeah, nah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the paradigm that we grew up in was you have to go to college, you know, and or that I grew up in anyways. And yeah, I don't agree with that paradigm any yeah. longer, for sure. Yeah, I would agree and with And it's that. just so much wasted money. I mean, it's just so And expensive. if you don't want to be there, that's yeah. silly. The vast majority of college students, I would say, well, certainly they don't use the degree that they got. And I, I agree with what you said. It gets you in the door and you kind of need it for a certain level of credibility in the professional marketplace. But it doesn't 
pay for itself. It's like if you have a passion and you can make a living doing the passion, then don't waste those four years and all of that money on an education that's not going to apply to your passion. If your passion requires certain learnings that you can get in college, then I think that it's viable and important. But like for Ava... She just wants to play soccer, yeah, and she gets the bonus. Except of an look education. at her though. Ava Ava has become interested. I feel uh, more recently in learning. Like it's really passionate about classes and learning now, or about well, also subjects. like social justice. Sure, and, sure. Like yeah. being yeah, in yeah, that yeah. environment. That and so I she's think. she's not just sleeping through her classes. Where I would say any college student listening, like if you're not engaged in your classes, then you're blowing it. This totally. is a unique four year period in your life where learning is the thing you're doing, and soak that'll never happen again where yeah. you can learn about culture, place, literature, art. You yeah, can take weird FOMO. classes. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that's the best part about From college. Not having learning. had college experience. Like it's, you know, I went and stayed with Ava last weekend in her crappy apartment and it was like, Oh, this is fun. You know, this is like what coming of age should be li- like with like, she has real responsibilities in it. Um, and even in a COVID year, I, f- I see like real benefit for her good. in the experience. Good. Okay, good. All right. Uh, final, Barrel or Nah, taking a silent retreat. This is something I heard about a lot when I was a kid. It was featured in movies. Never experienced it in my adult life. I don't know anybody who's taken a silent I retreat. I think so. Oh, now you do. do. Oh, yeah. tell me everything. Okay. What'd you do and how and why? Uh, I did a three-day Chopra, but I really want to do the 10-day. But, you know, we have a young child, so I'm not cool leaving her for 10 days. When did you do the three-day? Um, I did it with my grandma before she died, probably, I don't know, five, five years six ago? years ago. Yep. What was the impetus? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I am really committed to, like, full... Uh, experiences and and improvement in myself and a challenge like that is an interesting exploration. Was it beneficial? I think so. I struggled at that one because I was with my granny and it was like, how am I not going to talk to you? Like, I only get to see you a few days a year. She was 90 at the time. It was like, so we definitely chatted a little bit or a lot in the evenings (laughs) we, you know, we room together. Um, and, and I had, I've done two, three days. And my takeaway was if I ever do this again, I have to be in nature because I was like in a conference center resort. That's bizarre. It was weird. Yeah. Do you recommend it? I do. Okay. I really do. I think especially in the digital age, Mm -hmm creating space it's super uncomfortable and it's also really expansive i'd go barrel on a silent i would imagine that our listeners would be so thrilled if i took a silent (laughs) retreat (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would be an interesting challenge (laughs) not about you doing it but about doing it for the exact reasons that you just said don't fantasize about it just go do it yeah I need uh, go, to plan it. Go look at Esalon. You could even do. Is a, that where? Oh no, you didn't do that. No, but Esalon's great, and you could do uh, like just a weekend to reflect. Yeah. And literally just not talk to anybody. Yeah. Do you have to wear a sign around your neck that says "I'm being silent"? 
If you want to go be out amongst people, then, you, you know, you, you can hand them a note or something, but yeah. That'd be weird, handing people notes or having a sign that says, don't talk to me, I'm silent. Yeah. It's, I Less mean, in that environment, <laughs> in that environment, it's totally yeah. normal yeah, though. Yeah. So, oh, and everyone's true. super respectful of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I fantasize about the idea of it though. Like it's just so far removed from my real life. How long, how long do you think you could go <sighs> without saying a word and being happy? I have a feeling it might get easier. I mean, I, I think the first six hours it'd be just a nightmare. It's really? Not, it's not that hard really. really. Yeah. Because you can still read and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you just don't talk to people. Can you check Instagram? And Charlie doesn't yeah. have a hard time with that. Oh man. I love you, to shut my mouth. You like to be alone. Well, that's You're the weird okay thing. with the loan. Yeah, that's a weird thing. I actually prefer it. I mean, I feel like I'm um, forced to be an extrovert because of the life that I've chosen for whatever reason. But like, in I think I'm deep down an introvert. Yeah. Left to my own devices, I will stay home and not talk to anybody, you know? But um, I find myself in these situations where I'm talking 24 hours a day. Yeah. Well, I could make a suggestion, which is, you know, an hour a day or something. Yeah, that's, that's Just more reasonable. like start dipping your toe into like, what does that feel like? And like really committing time and space to not talking or we should, we should, my girlfriend would appreciate that. <laughs> we should do a silent podcast next week where we just sit here for an hour and a half, just quietly. Perfect. Recording. I don't think that would go over well with your It might be. We could, in, we could invite our listeners to take a silent retreat with us at the two thirds mark. Yeah. eBay.com slash <laughs> brought you this silent retreat today. <laughs> All right, so we're all barrel on silent. Barrel, yeah. yeah. Bring it back. Yeah. Bring it back. Again, it was in every movie from the 80s. Woody Allen should today do a silent retreat movie. He probably should. That would be, he could be just Woody Allen on a silent retreat thinking about all the messes he made. Sorry about I, it. Sorry so about it. I got, I, got, <laughs> I got the craziest email of a li from a listener who we both know, I'll tell you who it is off air, who is like, you know, I don't think he'd watched the documentary yet, but he goes, look, if you just look at the stats or look at whatever, the opposite side of the argument. Woody was never never married to Mia Farrow. When he encountered Soon Yi, she was already a teenager. He actually married Soon Yi, so that's his wife that he's been married to for a long time. And he said, "Love knows no bounds." You know, you got to trust your heart. Blah blah. blah. Wow. He's making an argument for Woody, oh, Allen. Woody Allen. I was like, apologist. "No, that's not what happened <laughs> at all." I mean, that might be what happens on paper, but context matters. Yeah. And like, seriously, so, yeah. So I think I have a feeling. He didn't watch it yet, and if he had, it's really damning. It'll the be, documentary is crazy. Yeah, it's just done. Woody Allen is. Oh my gosh. So Woody Allen, it He's will be done. on the scrap heap of. Yeah. He'll he'll get Harvey Weinstein for sure. There's yeah. no way out of this for yeah. him. And uh, yeah, well, he's it's old. Terrible. It's terrible. I mean, and but, uh, it's not okay. Just so think out. Just think, think out. Wildly let's, not okay. let's cancel Woody. It's just, actually disturbing. It's affected me really traumatically. Yeah, that's like, why I haven't watched it. Just think how troublesome would be if you're Woody now though like at the end of your life you can't really make any more films or you can but you can't really make amends either all you get to do is sort of quietly watched your life's work get burned in a giant pit it will be I mean that's it would be, be it, it you would be. because you would, be of what I said earlier it's like you can't watch Manhattan anymore the yeah. thing won a bunch of Oscars and right. it's like you can't watch it anymore yeah. well who's the like French philosopher writer or whatever who would just write about oh yeah uh, what was his name shoot yeah there's a Frenchie who won He's, a bunch of awards but writing just about doing little boys no way yeah, I think it was like girls modern. no no boys are you sure yeah yeah, he was a, he was a straight, I, I, straight I mean, pedophile. Like the greatest joys like of the flesh is celebrated a as a French. Yeah, and just recently he finally got like maybe that was not a good idea to give him all the awards last year. 
for his pedophile poems. Yeah. yeah. Glad, glad I've never followed philosophy yeah. for once in my life. I always felt like I was missing out on something. Now I'm glad I didn't. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, shout out to Album Surf. Thank you. And shout out to Sports Management Masterminds. Yeah, com. Mastermind. Mind. Singular. You should buy the, buy the other one too. Just Masterminds. Yeah. What if people end up there? Redirect them over to mine. Oh, good idea. $12 a year. Okay. Google domains. Okay. <laughs> on ebay.com. <laughs> All right. Well, Chaz, this has been enlightening. Thank you for uh, making this happen, facilitating this thank conversation. You, Seriously, thank you for coming. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. All right. Until next week. Get barrel. Yeah, barrel.